This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 14, and today I have a wonderful surprise. We are going to be talking with the lovely Byron Ballard. Say hey, Byron. Hey, how are y'all doing? <laughs> and we uh, we ended up being friends on Facebook, and um, I'm just very uh, much in love with this human being. Oh, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> we share a lot. We share a lot. And one of the things we share past witchcraft is that I've been working through my Cronin and all yes. of those kind of fun things, right? Yes. <laughs> and it's a really beautiful, freeing place to be. But before we get into that, I wanted to go ahead and just talk to you, Byron, about not just our differences, because I know you're up there in the mountains, and here I am down in Alabama. And we have mountains, but I think y'all would call those hills. Um, well, but the northern part of Alabama is still Appalachian. That is true, and that is yeah. where I was born. There it, you go. It's at the very uh, foot of that, um, at Elk River. Oh, mm-hmm. how beautiful. Yeah, so I guess I I start and you kind of take up that uh, slack at the end there, <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I I like to remind people and where was I today? Yesterday, it was today. Yeah, that I was recording something and I said the the thing that people tend to forget is we think of Appalachian as this one thing and it looks a particular way because of the dominant culture, but these mountains run all the way from where you are all the way up into Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole bunch of different kinds of cultures. And sometimes they butt up against each other and it's all good. And sometimes they butt up against each other and there's some kind of clash. But but it's a whole lot of different places. And where I'm from in Appalachia and probably you too is that we say Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And we don't like it when people say Appalachia. <laughs> But I met some people, they brought me up into Pittsburgh to do some classes, and I was met at the airport by a couple of people who hugged my neck and said, we just wanted you to know that we are Appalachian too. And so I got this kind of shiver up and down my spine, like, that's not how you say it. (laughs) Well, that's a different culture in a different part of Appalachia, and they say Appalachia, and I am not here to correct them because... We say it that way here, and they say it that way there. Yeah, and there there are a lot of things I think we share. One of the things I've always thought we shared is the fact that there is something along this trail. Uh, there's something haunting and beautiful that gets down in your bones, and it really has informed my own witchcraft. You know, I, I wrote to you today, and I said it's, uh, it's sort of the way we tell stories and you know, the muscadine wine that my aunties uh, took care of and made and a big old um, clawfoot tub, that kind of thing. It just, <laughs> I it love all, that. Yeah, isn't that fun? It was stained purple. But it all kind of starts to weave together. 
And I, I wanted to know how you thought maybe we were the same in this way. What, what do you find that's similar? Um, yeah, lots of things actually. And, and I refer to that as hill folk Gothic mm. because we talk a lot, people outside the region talk a lot about the South and a lot of it, you know, they, a lot yeah. of it's not good to talk about the South, yeah. but the hill folk in the South, the Appalachian people are different than some of the other cultures in the South. And that's really interesting. So there is a bonding that the Appalachian people have pretty far up the chain. And and we are different. Our culture is different than, uh, than Gullah culture and the low country down in South Carolina. Uh, but the the mountain people share a lot of, of the same thing and and some of it is one of it is this deep deep spiritual religious tradition um i refer to it as that that old uh ragged stern protestant christianity mm-hmm. that permeates the whole place I'm, i was not raised christian um my family uh is unchurched as we say it here (laughs) so i never was i mean i went to church with my grandmother sometimes and went to church with neighbors but i was never baptized or had you know first communion or any of that stuff though my mother's family are were all methodists or lapsed methodists and my father's family were predominantly baptist but my mother and father just never felt like that was terribly important and frankly my grandmother didn't think it was terribly important either but she liked to sing in the choir and so she went to church Mm -hmm. that sounds awful doesn't it no no it sounds like my experience so so I think I think we have that piece and and for people not in this region they don't or not from this region they don't necessarily understand how deep that runs even in people who are not part of the that religious tradition so I am as deeply spiritual and as deeply connected to the divine as any of my ancestors were. Now, I may visualize the divine differently, and my interactions with the divine, I feel like, are very different. But we all hold that. And the example I'll give is I was part of an interfaith group that was helping boy and this just flies in the face of all kinds of separation of church and state issues but oh i was part of an interfaith council that the county school board put together Mm -hmm. because they were starting to see you know it used to be when i was a kid you didn't talk about religion because you were either a baptist or a methodist Mm -hmm. and if you had any money you were a presbyterian (laughs) and that's or episcopalian and that's just there wasn't anything to say about it jesus is born on december the 25th and Mm -hmm. on easter you know you went to church in your good clothes that's just all there was to it Mm -hmm. well it's not true anymore as as people we have a lot of incomers and they all kinds of different religions so he put together this group basically so if a kid said to a teacher well but i'm muslim i can't eat pork chops right that he he could call somebody on this committee and go is that is that a thing they really don't eat pork chops oh my god yes sir that's a thing they don't eat pork chops and it was a way for him i know to cover his behind Mm -hmm. but it, it also i thought it was just a really generous good way to look at it like my daughter who was raised wiccan 
mm-hmm. um, she always took November the first off as a holy day, and yeah. she had an excuse to absence. And it, you know, we we went through all the channels, and that's how that got done. Now her classmates who had been out half the night trick or treating were not so happy that she was home eating candy, <laughs> but that's beside the point. <laughs> so, so we had we met as a round table many times to discuss religion in schools and how that should or should not be taught. And my father's family come from a county just north of here, Madison County. And there was one man in the group, a preacher from Madison County, and some of my ancestors are buried in his church yard. So every time I would see him, I'd say, well, preacher, how's my my great-grandpa doing? He'd say, he's doing good, and your great-grandma, because we just mowed on Saturday. So (laughs) they're doing just fine. So we had this kind of back and forth that we did because of the culture yeah even though he looked he kind of side-eyed me all the time when I'd go well let me let me tell you what this thing is (laughs) so that it was really really interesting and and I remember specifically one of those meetings when um, a Baptist man who was a city man he came from the town and he also was not from here and he's also a very liberal Baptist. And so he was saying something that just flew in the face of these hardcore Baptist beliefs. And and I was sitting with the guy who's, who has my ancestors' graves mowed. We're sitting together talking about the weather or farming or whatever we talk about. Mm-hmm. And he stood up fast enough to kick the chair back. Oh. And he, he pointed at his colleague, as far as I know, and he said, listen, brother, when you say things like that, I know I've got more in common with this witch right here oh. than I do with you, who is a, supposed to be a fellow Baptist. And that has stuck with me now, gosh, 10 years, 10, 15 years, because that cultural piece is so important. Well, what and, I'm hearing is that they know that you're a witch. And so they accept this. Oh, well, I don't think they accept it. Um, I can remember doing a press conference, golly bum, 20 years ago. And, um, and these two little people came and they were from, they weren't from Madison, but they were an adjoining county. I believe it was Yancey County. And, and we, we were, I mean, not really checking press credentials because who the hell does that? Right. And so people were coming in and they, they were all kind of stiff and proper and they were like well we are from blah 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 baptist church or church of god in christ or whatever they were from and we want to write something for our newsletter and you better let us in and we were like yeah come on in we don't care and so i did i do a lot of educating all the time Mm -hmm. and we talked very sincerely about ancestors and about the land and about all kinds of things and those two fellas stayed longer than anybody else and we talked about all kinds of things. We talked about how water is sacred and it is important for us. All of us felt that it was our job to make sure that water stayed clean because it was a holy gift from the divine. Mm-hmm. And so we had this amazing conversation and they left kind of smiling. They shook my hand real warmly. And I could just imagine them going down, down the steps and thinking, well, she was a fine young woman. It's a shame <laughs> she's going to hell. <laughs> Wish we could save her. I sure do wish we could, because that'd be nice to keep those talks going. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think it's very accepted down here. We are having no, a little bit more trouble. No, it's that word. 
Mm. It's that it's that word witch. It and is. the word pagan, the word pagan does it too. It is. And I have thought, you know, about 10 years ago, I thought about just abandoning the term. But you know me, I, I'm a bull in a china shop and I just could not <laughs> let go of that it, or a dog with a bone I, because I wanted to reclaim it. And, and I think we can do that. And I think many of us have been reclaiming that word since the 1960s. Mm-hmm. 70s for sure but the reality is in many many traditional cultures that word the w word mm. uh implies that you do bane work mm. that you are a yeah. maledictor yeah and it doesn't matter how many times you explain oh no it comes from an anglo-saxon word that means blah blah blah, blah. they don't even hear that it goes it goes in one ear and out the other because culturally they understand that that word means somebody who is likely to curse you and hurt you and not to bless you and heal you. And so, yeah. And so we think of it as blessing and healing and herbs and, you know, dancing with your friends under the moon and drumming and all that stuff that we know it to be. Mm -hmm. But you say that to a traditional Cherokee woman. And that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that is not going to fly. Uh, it it can work if you if you take the time and are compassionate and you get to know people. And uh, the example I want to give you is I worked in a bookstore for many, many years, and it was in this little strip shopping center. And at the other end of the shopping center was a Mexican restaurant where we ate lunch probably two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. So we all knew each other. They came in and bought books and we ate down there, and we, when we saw each other not at work, we knew each other. It was that kind of relationship. And one year for Halloween, they had one of those fake, it's like a styrofoam pumpkin that's carved, yeah. and it had a witch on a broom. And I was, you know, paying my bills. I was going out, and I pointed at that, and I said, oh, it's very pretty. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, that's what I am. Uh, I'm a bruja. And they, their eyes got really big, and they were like, no, no, no. You are not a bruja. You are a curandera. You are a healer. You are not a witch. You're a healer. And so, so many cultures have that difference. But because they knew me and, you know, and our kids played together, all that stuff, I became known at the restaurant as their brujita, their little witch. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So when I would come in to have lunch, they would seat me and they, they would yell to the back, Brujita aquí. <laughs> and then the people who in the kitchen who knew me would come out and wave and all that stuff. So the healer is here. <laughs> yeah. So it's important. And I, I just can't stress that relationship thing enough. Yeah. We get along so much better, both inside the community and in dealing with other communities and cultures. If we were just patient and kind and weren't jackasses. <laughs> Well, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to get more, uh, what was that? Um, Get more flies with honey. I can't remember what that is. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what it is, and it's not true because they leave off the last line. What is it? They say you get more, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, but we all know what flies really like, and that's a big pile of steaming poop. That's right. (laughs) So that's how you really get the flies, is with a lot of BS. 
That makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Those flies don't like honey or vinegar. That's right. And uh, by the way, that kind of brings me to my next idea I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> because I think the older I get and uh, the deeper into my craft I go, uh, cronehood, if you would, uh, the more I don't, well, I, I don't give a shit anymore what, <laughs> <laughs> what anybody thinks. And it has made my life so much richer and so much more, I don't know, it just resonates more with me to be this way. And I wanted to ask you about that. I think, oh, yeah, my. go for yes. it, go for it. Um, what do you think no, about th being a crone? I can ask you the question or you could go off road. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me the question. I probably will still go off road. I like it. Um, in my religious tradition, my spiritual tradition, you, you are able to claim cronehood after two things. You have not bled for a year and a day, mm -hmm. and you have successfully passed through your second Saturn return. Mm -hmm. So these young ones that come to me at the age of 40 and they go, well, I, I think I'm really ready to crone. I'll go, well, have you done this? Mm -hmm. Have you done that? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have done the, they've stopped the bleeding because, you know, they've had, they've had a, a surgical procedure right. that has removed those particular organs. So they don't do that anymore. They said, but you can't really, you you can't understand what being a crone is until you get through that second Saturn return. You just won't get it. And so you may take that, you may claim that title anytime you want to, because God knows I'm not, I'm not the arbiter of who is and is not a crone. Right. But, but, but you won't really be ready for it until those two things have happened. That's when you're going to be in the, in the mindset. And at that point, it's not like you immediately become a crone. There will come a point for most women, where you you just know, it's a kind of a knowing. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I really am that now. And I didn't crone for, I was eligible as it were for almost five years. And I was at a commemorative like drinks party for a good friend of ours who had died. And we were all of an age and people I noticed kept coming to me and they wanted to sit with me and they just wanted to talk. It was like, well, it was like they came for confession yeah. and they came to say, you know, whatever they, and then they went and about three quarters of the way through this, when it was obvious, that's what was going on. They were coming to sit with a priest. They were coming to sit with a wise woman. They were coming to sit with somebody who maybe had, who they believed had a deeper understanding of the mystery than they had. Yeah. And it was at that point, three quarters of the way through that evening when I was drinking a gin and tonic <laughs> that I went, I'm it. I'm it. I take it. I'm mm -hmm. a crone. And that was my croning ceremony. I didn't do anything fancy or formal. I just accepted it. And I went, okay, that's it. That's what I am. Except that I think that that is critical because I don't think we can get all the way through. Well, I mean, I don't think we're ever done, by the way. I don't no. think there's an end, no. you know, <laughs> but I don't think we can actually even enter very well if we haven't accepted it as part of our new path, part of our magic, part of our understanding of the world uh, from our bodies. 
So that acceptance that you had to me is just as beautiful as if you had had a ritual. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I love ritual and I love to do ritual. And I'm a, I think of myself as a ritualist, but there's some, there's some rites of passage that only require your acknowledgement that, that it's a new road. Mm -hmm. You just, it's like you go through a gate and you close the gate behind you and then you look at the new road. Yeah. And that's all it really needs. And, and some, some people and some events need more than that. They need a, they need witnesses to see you do that. But some of them, they just require you to go, oh, yep, well, here I am. Well, you know, what I had mean? that ritual, but I ended up not feeling it. And it was about a year or two later, and I was walking along in my woods out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I felt, my feet felt, um, I want to say they felt older, but they didn't feel weak. They felt stronger. Mm. And uh, I had let my hair go uh, white, uh, white and black. It's uh, salt and pepper. You know that. And it was like the trees responded to me differently. And I felt different. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm walking into it right now. It was like a private ritual. I was having mm-hmm. with myself and the trees and the great mother, but um, which actually leads me to something I wanted to ask you. Yep. So we all know that crones are these wonderful badasses that, or at least we <laughs> attempt to be. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them we are badasses. Shh. So <laughs> if they don't know by now, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, you know, we usually think about them, I think, in relation to what they can give their community, right? They, mm-hmm. Like you said, they yeah. have become a, a priest, a priestess, um, a wise a woman, keeper. a wisdom keeper. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. But what is the difference for us in our craft? I would really like to dig into <laughs> the bones of that. <laughs> well, it is it is as much age as it is experience because yeah. I mean I teach a class on vein work mm-hmm. and there's nine levels and you can start with this and you go all the way down to that and these are the tools and the whatever's you're gonna need to do all that. But the reality is if I'm gonna hex your ass, <laughs> I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna ground myself so that I'm ready to do the work. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna lick my thumb of my strong hand and I'm gonna grind it into the palm of my other hand. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to do. I do something very, <laughs> very similar, and most folks don't even know what I'm doing. No, not at all. And that is, I mean, that set of gestures is pretty traditional in my part of Appalachia, is that if you see an old woman and she's just looking at you with a perfectly blank face, mm-hmm. and she and she just touches the tip of her tongue to her thumb, then you know you're either in for a great big blessing or the great big opposite. You might want to go other. work that out with her right quick. You, you might want to <laughs> step forward and say, uh, how, how is your buttermilk doing? Or, yeah. um, boy, those are some pretty ear bobs you got on. Or, <laughs> or tell me a story. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I know enough of them. Golly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, mine is, uh, I think, become more natural like that, too. When I was younger, there were a lot of bells and whistles. I'm sure you went mm-hmm. through that, too. We yeah, all love yeah. bells and whistles. And there's nothing wrong with those. 
No, nothing at all. I nothing mean, at all. Whatever gets you there, baby, but well, I like to think of it like we, you know, we had tricycles and then we had bicycles with training wheels and we had small bicycles and then we got big bicycles and then we got mountain bikes. You know, Ooh. we got, we went all, all the way through that as a process and we took whatever we needed to, so that we could learn what we needed to learn mm -hmm. and make it, and make it doable. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because these days, it could be me alone with a dandelion root. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I also love to look at things like, um, I was having a discussion about uh, magical oils. And I said, well, I, I mean, I make some oils for my own use, but I basically use only like a handful of herbs. Like I make a rue oil, I make a vervain oil, I make a mugwort oil. And then I was looking at black walnuts a few years back, and I thought, huh, mm. you know, walnuts, they have a lot of really interesting qualities. I'm going to make me some black walnut oil. But but I don't make come hither oil and no. compelling oil no. and all that stuff. I don't do, and I might have done that when I was younger. I, I know I but did. I mean, but I might have, but I just don't anymore because... I just set my intention mm -hmm. and I pull energy through me if I don't have enough energy and I just do it. Yeah. And there are a lot of things I just sort of don't feel compelled to do anyway. Anything that would, yeah. you know, go against somebody's free will. I, I just feel like that ends up badly in the end. So. Well, not always. I mean, if your brother-in-law is beating your sister. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going <laughs> to yeah. go into that situation. Well, and maybe, I mean, people say this all the time. Well, but I mean, would you, what would you do if somebody hurt your daughter? And I said, I mean, you mean seriously hurt my daughter? I wouldn't use magic. I'd go to the damn pawn shop. Well, well, I don't have to go to the pawn shop because <laughs> it's right here and we exactly. know what we're talking about. And but, also, I have yeah. a friend with a hog and I got a good exactly. bag of lime. But <laughs> that's the other thing. And because I know people who are hog farmers, mm -hmm. I, I would take care of that one. We're just kidding, well, y'all. Not really. Anyway. No, we're not. No, well, we're not. I, I will say, uh, my, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you that story. That's, that's not a good story. But I have, uh, I have kind of leveled my gaze on people a couple of times and said, no, no, I'm serious. If you do that, I will kill you. <laughs> and they, and for you know, first they kind of huh, and then you, they look at you and go, uh, uh, y yes, ma'am. Well, I until understand. they can prove it in court that a magical spell did something, I reckon we're good to go. Ah, uh, we are. Mm. And I mean, there's lots of ways you can do that, but I mean, I'm like you in the sense of. Why would I want to hex somebody? Why yeah. would I want to curse somebody whose life is already cursed? It's exactly. obvious. Exactly. Because you're going to tie your energy all up into that. And they're all they're already proven that their life is out of control and mm -hmm. they and they are in pain and their pain is manifesting in hatefulness. And all of that, do I want to make somebody more hateful? I don't think mm -mm. so. Mm -mm. So I, you know, I do a lot of egg binding, that kind of stuff, to just kind of slow slow people's roll. Mm -hmm. I want you to slow down, think about that for five minutes before <laughs> you just think about it, think about how you're behaving. Yeah, and most of the time, that's all you really need to do. Well, it really is, and then we don't have a lot of extra uh, backlash reverb on us. And so, yeah. Not that I think we get a whole lot of it, but 
I I don't, and that I mean that's another folkloric thing. Is I that, do too. I think so. Yeah, pe people say, oh, but what about the law of return? I go, folkloric magicians don't have that. No. Well, what about karma? Well, are you a Hindu? Nope. <laughs> well, okay, then I don't, you don't have to worry about that. It's like those same damn people will will start. Well, well, but what about what about and it harm none? Do what you will, and I'll go. Are you Wiccan? Are you Wiccan? And they'll go, oh, no, I just despise Wiccans because it's just a made-up religion. And I'll go, well, that's part of the Wiccan religion, so you don't have to, you don't have to abide by it. Yeah, I mean, I've what? got to, yeah. <laughs> yes. We, it's not yours. No, it's like asking an animal who lives in a certain nature preserve to ascribe to the rules of the polar vortex. Right. I mean, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> this is where I live. Oh, Lord. This is where I stand. Yeah. By the way... There yes, was something else on this one. So I have a really tiny coven, and it's tiny for a damn fine mm. reason. Mm -hmm. A long time ago, it was uh, large, and uh, I didn't like that. I don't know how nice way to put that, so we'll just stop there. So I've got <laughs> <laughs> it was way too many folks. Uh, yeah. Right now, it's about five, six of us, and uh, most of them have been working with me since '09. I'm retired and uh, taking on new students. I, I don't do it anymore. What I wanted to ask you is I've noticed a bit, and not different in a uh, qualitative way, really, but different in more of a, a feeling way. The magic I cast and do and experience within my coven and group work is different than what I'm doing all by myself. Oh, absolutely. Personally. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was in, I was part of a big coven. It was a big, several families came together coven. And oh. it was, it was babies and youngins and middle-aged people and young people. It was, it was a big, big coven. And we met every Saturday night for years. Mm -hmm. And the magic we could do together was so powerful because we were, and this is, this is true of any authentically working group we are more powerful than the sum of our parts yes and and it requires or it did in the case of the kind of coven work I was doing it required everyone to be in agreement about what the work was because mm -hmm. you couldn't have two or three people with their arms folded over their chest and go well I just don't think that's a very good thing to do <laughs> you had to all be in agreement that we were going to send healing or do whatever we were yeah, and at that point we would raise the energy and send it, and it was, it, it is a glorious thing. And I know that right now we are going through a period in our history as a as a religious movement where so many people have been so deeply hurt by bad coven leaders. Yes, and good coven leaders have been so deeply hurt by bad coveners that would be me mm -hmm. yeah so <laughs> uh, yeah so there is less of that going on and i i lament that because when it is good it is very very good yeah. and we've got a handful of people that you work together magically you you just feel it spin yeah. It's like you are on the plates and the plates are spinning. And when you are ready to send it, you can feel it ripping up through your roots and out and onto its destination. And it's, 
It is wonderful and it is important and it is powerful work. But it requires a level of trust that many, many people do not have in our current age. Right. For good reason. For very Most good of them reason. for very good reason. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference when you're doing it alone, my dear friend? I think the difference is you're doing it alone. You can, <laughs> you know, you, you pull up the energy from the earth or whatever energy it is you happen to be using to do the job of work you're doing. Okay. And you, and you feel through it. You feel how much of the energy needs to go to wherever it is going, depending on your intention. But the feeling of standing in a circle with a half dozen, a dozen, 30 people who have done this together consistently for years, it's just much more powerful, much more powerful. You can just raise more energy because you are, it's it's the difference between having um, a single quarter horse pulling a wagon Versus a team of eight Clydesdales pulling a wagon. Right. The wagon's going to get there one way or the other. But the Clydesdales are going to be able to haul it, haul a heavier wagon, and they're going to be able to take it farther. I agree. There, how's that for an analogy? I love that analogy. You know I only do analogies. <laughs> I love me some analogies. And sometimes <laughs> I, I just go down a rabbit hole, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know where that was going, so let's back up and see if we can... <laughs> Put these things together in a way that makes a little bit of sense anyway. Well, I think it's a marker of Southern witchcraft that we... (laughs) The analogy. Yeah. The the witchcraft of analogies. (laughs) We could just do a whole book on analogies. It'd be funny. It's that story thing. We got stories in our blood. Uh, That oral stories. Yeah. Just being able to pass it on. The magic flows with a story. It does. Mm -hmm. Oh, it absolutely does. Which actually brings me to my other and uh, last. What a nice segue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a teacher. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here we are. I've been running in to, and I think I wrote to you, I've been running headlong into them because that's what it feels like. Uh Uh-huh. Great mysteries. And I know that you know what I'm talking about. Um. The moment I attempt to (laughs) articulate them, they sort of lose their shape. I I can't quite get these across to another human being, and I get why. I get the magic of that. I get that I was um, in the right place in the right time, in the right headspace, done the right work to be there, but I, I desperately attempt to get that across to other people <laughs> because I'm tenacious and a type A so, <laughs> and an Aries. I'm an Aries and that's a problem. But, you know, I feel like at least I can kind of leave, uh, as I told you earlier, breadcrumbs yeah, um, for I, other witches. What do you think about I, that? I think it's the best we can do is breadcrumbs because, I mean, not being an Aries, I'm a Pisces. Oh, yummy. Moon and Scorpio, Scorpio on the ascendant. So I love me some mystery. I love me some big secrets. (laughs) I love to be the possessor of that information. And I don't necessarily want to share that out. Mm -mm. So the thing about mysteries, and you, you touched on something earlier in the conversation about, 
as we get older, our craft gets simpler, but also more intense. It's like making a roux, you know, Ooh. or a or a sauce. It Ooh. starts out all very liquidy, and then it, it just cooks down and cooks down until there's just there's just about a half inch of some heavy, viscous, delicious, strong smelling, wonderful thing that you're gonna plop some shrimp into. <laughs> and I think that's the way it is with the mystery. And I have always been a person, possibly because of that Pisces and Scorpio stuff, mm -hmm. who is comfortable not knowing the answer to the mystery. And so when the mystery comes and it it kind of comes and either wraps its cloak around you or mm -hmm. it flies into your ear and stays mm -hmm. in your brain, I don't know. I ain't got an analogy for that one. Sorry, lady. That's all right. But when, <laughs> but when it comes and then you know it mm -hmm. and then it just rests in you. But it defies, I think it defies uh, language. Yeah. And I think that's the point of it. You know, if you could if you could write a book about it and explain it, nope. it would change. Mm -hmm. And it would go, oh, you think that's what that is? Well, huh, feel this. And it would change. You know, I don't think I would uh, want to write a book about it because it, this kind of digs into something I, I wanted to talk to you about, but I didn't know I was going to ask. There are certain things in my craft that I feel must remain secret. It somehow protects those moments, creates a more sacred bond between me and my magic. I share a lot of things. I don't share everything. Well, I think you and I have that in common, mm -hmm. code name Opalaka. Opalaka, I knew it was coming up. <laughs> Here we go. Going off-road. But, but the... The thing about it is that people, they see me in social media and they see me at festivals and I am energetic and jolly and I'll talk to you about anything and I'll tell you anything. And that is the literally the tip of the iceberg of what I do and who I am. Right. So when people think they know me, I just smile and I go, you, you boy, you know me inside and out, don't you? <laughs> and they do. They know everything I let them know about me. And they sure do. And that's that's not only about my wants and desires and my personal history, but that's about it's also about the way I do magic. And I've been doing magic for so long now, and I'm not bragging about that. I'm not telling you I'm old, though I am. I'll be 66 in about three weeks. Don't say that's old now. <laughs> You're dragging me with you. I'm it's right behind not, you. No, 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 it's not. It's not old. But it is seasoned. I am a seasoned practitioner Hell of the yeah. work that I do. Hell yeah. And because of that, there's just a lot of things some people don't need to know. And because I come from a family that has and had uh, different abilities that just came to them and came to us, like mm -hmm. like prophetic dreaming mm -hmm. and hands-on healing and stuff like that, that a lot of Scots-Irish people have, and half of my DNA is Scots-Irish and the other half is English. So um, because of that, I have to sometimes, what do you call that, reverse engineer my magic. If, I'm, if there's something I want to explain mm. to people, I have to go, okay, this is how I do it, done. Now let me back that up and go, well, the step right before it was done was this, and the step right before that was this, and the step right before that, because I don't think of it anymore. Mm -hmm. It is now muscle muscle memory and spirit yeah. memory. So I don't have to go through it. I don't have to look in a book. 
you know, tell you what I'm going to do. What you're talking about, because I also design courses for online universities, um, it's called backwards design. It's actually a really interesting theoretical uh, skill. Interesting. Yeah, you should look it up. But the important thing is knowing the goal so that when you go backwards, you're assured that every step is leading you there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then so. it's like checking your math. Yeah. So you do it. Yeah. And then you go backwards through all the steps. And then you have to go forwards through all the steps, even though if you were doing it yourself, you wouldn't do all those steps. Right. Yeah. So then you have to go through forward through all those steps to go, uh-uh, I got step three in the wrong place. Step three has happened way back here. My sister, I cannot tell you how many times somebody has said, okay, how did you make that? I love this dish. How did you make that? I'm like, Baby, I don't know. Can you come stand in the kitchen and just write it down? Have you ever been through this, Byron? I know you have. I have. have. And and people, it doesn't matter what you put on, what picture you put on Facebook, something you're cooking. People are going to say, oh, that looks so good. Can I have the recipe? And, you know, most of the time it's like, well, I don't know. I I soaked some pinto beans in water and I I got some stuff out of the cabinet. Had me a little fat back. I don't know. And I I cooked it up and I... Oh, I used Himalayan sea salt this time. I sang I mean, a little no. bit to it and God, shook my butt. Yeah. And it's, the same, it's the same damn thing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's magic and it's secret. I don't know. It is. And, well, But it's also following a formula that you've probably done so many times. <laughs> you don't have to think about, is that a quarter cup or a half cup? Or What is that yeah. old meme you see going around Facebook? My ancestors just say enough. When I've right, <laughs> well, a friend of mine made she just made and probably still does make delicious biscuits. And I said, You know, I'm, I'm having trouble balancing the ratio of the fat to everything else. And she said, Here's what you do you just keep putting in the fat if it's butter or lard or shortening, whatever you you just keep putting in the fat in until you start to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and when you feel uncomfortable, then you probably got exactly the right amount. And that has worked for me every time. I was like, Huh, well, here's a big old spoonful of Crisco. Well, but I think it needs just a little bit. Yeah, that's enough. That's, enough. <laughs> that's your ancestors are whispering. <laughs> that's right. That's enough, child. You about away. to ruin that damn dish, girl. <laughs> but I think magic and cooking is so much similar in those two things. I do, too. And I, when I hear someone say, you know, I'm a witch, but I'm not a kitchen witch, I think, well, I don't know that you've tried. Yeah, get in there and try. You know, you can do it with your tea. You could just do it with a simple tea. (laughs) Well, I got in not trouble exactly because I'm like you. I'm a crone. I don't Mm -hmm. care if I get in trouble anymore. God knows. What are you gonna do? I had some people got mad at me about six, seven years ago online, and they were like, "We're gonna, we're gonna ruin you." We're gonna, and I'm like, "I am a damn Appalachian subsistence farmer. What the hell do you think you can do?" I don't know anyway, what they thought, but no, it doesn't bother me either. either. It, no. And so and if it looks like I'm going to get in trouble about something, I'll just be, you know, I'll just be me and be like, well, I guess if you're going to feel that way about it, you're going to feel that way about it. And that's going to be OK. Well, I guess that's for uh, you. Yeah, that's something that we don't talk about enough. And that is that, you know, both you and I are somewhat of an online presence. And yes, ma'am. I, <laughs> I think that we are doing it for our own personal, possibly cronehood reasons. But I also think that I've seen folks get upset at authentic 
selves before. And it's sort of a crossroads, isn't it? If we're going to be authentic, yep. then occasionally y'all might get your panties in a wad. Yeah. Did that make any sense? It does. And if we can just continue having the conversation mm-hmm. and one does, one person doesn't shut down the conversation through intent or language or otherwise, then mm-hmm. we probably are going to get to a place, maybe not where we agree, but a place where we can see the other person's side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a last question. Very last one. I swanny. Okay. So, <laughs> lousy. You, you know, That's what if I say you all the time, lousy. Swear on a river, you know I meant it. I swanny. So, <laughs> <laughs> we are so alike, y'all don't even know. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell them what is on my table right go, now. Go right ahead and tell them before I go any further. There Kay. is a little tiny. What was that like a half pint? It's the kind you get like samples of jelly in. That's right. On my table. That's right. Full of water that she sent me last last week, week before, something like that. That's right. I opened it up and I, my husband said, Well, what is that? No, my, my husband said, Is that moonshine? And I said, No, sir. Because, <laughs> I mean, I do bring in jars that look like water that are not. And I said, No, sir. This is water from a beep. And he went, <laughs> Oh, you and beep. Oh, yeah, me. So I got it right here, right here. Where, by the way, I'd like to just go ahead and tell all my listeners, I do not live, but I had access to. Go ahead. (laughs) That's right. No, she does not live there. No, go ahead, though. Tell me what else is on your table. No, I just wanted to tell you that, that I've got that water right here. Well, that was a connection between us. Mm Mm-hmm. That was absolutely. A, that was a connection. I don't know if it was uh, this life, another life. I don't know. Well, and I don't even know what that Beep. thing is, y'all. I, when we were first talking, I said, "And you live in the state that has my favorite place name. I love to say Beep. Alabama." And she went, "Um, I can uh, get there. <laughs> I can get there right quick. I can I, say Beep. from my back porch." <laughs> But it, <laughs> uh, I think I probably said something. Well, we should meet in Beep. Alabama, and you were like, "Um, that's not very far from me to travel." And no, not that far. <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, it's just that that name has haunted me. Well, there's got to be a reason for it. But now you have the water, so you can figure out what that reason is. That's right. That's exactly right. That's did it. you ask the question, or do we just go off road? I forgot the question. Wait a minute. Let's see. <laughs> Let me get my old lady glasses back on my head and look here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, gosh, I don't remember the damn question. I think I was going to say something to the effect of, why are we doing this? Why are we oh, reaching out to other witches? Why are we doing anything exactly. like that? That's what you're, because t- you were talking about we both have an online presence. Yeah. Well, part of it is that I come from a family of preachers. I do. Mm-hmm. And so part of what I do being online is I inform people. Okay. I go, okay, right now you may be feeling like the world is tilting and you need to do what, and here are some suggestions about how you can make that feel better. So I do that. So I do some preaching. Mm-hmm. But also right now, especially, so many people are just in a world of hurt. Yeah. They are grieving. They are angry. They are sick. Yeah. And they don't have any place to put any of that. So I will come into social media periodically and write, you know, 750 or 1,000 words about 
it's okay. You need to take care of you right now. You need to, and I, and what I, my goal in all of that is not only to gentle people and to give them a permission slip to take care of what they need to take care of, mm-hmm. but it's also to say to them that they are not alone. Because when I say, when I do one of my, here, here's your morning sermon from Byron Ballard, <laughs> and a thousand people respond to it. Mm-hmm. And there are 200 people who say, basically, I needed to hear this today. Yeah. Because we need to know that we're not alone in any of this. That's true. Because we're not. It can really be quite lonely, especially um, for someone in the closet, such as myself. Um, mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. be very lonely. And I have to tell you, I've gone and looked at your stuff. Especially when I was sad. You feel like an older sister to me, so. Oh, <laughs> you warmed my heart up with that. Well, I, I do think we're doing good work. Sometimes I get emails. You know, I quit podcasting for about a year, and I got so many emails. And they were all saying, we're not trying to rush you. We're not trying mm. to put pressure on you, but we miss you. And you know, I'm an Alabama witch or I'm a Tennessee witch, you know, and you gave me a voice. You gave me company. And um, so that's why I came back. Oh, I'm so glad you did. Um, I speak so often to what I refer to as the Appalachian diaspora Mm -hmm. because we've had so many people leave this region. Mm -hmm. And And they look back on it with this weird fondness because they didn't grow up here at the butt end of a cove with with barely running water and no toilet. Yeah. You know, they weren't cold and winter and hot and summer and hungry. They look at it as, oh, you know, I used to go to grandma's for about a whole week in the summer and she let me gather eggs and she taught me how to butcher chicken and you know, she she made biscuits in a stove that was heated up with wood. And so they have this dreamy, fanciful notion of what being in Appalachia is. And they want to connect with that. They want to connect with the deep parts of that. Yeah. So that's that certainly is part of what I do, is to let them know that to be Appalachian is not a shame. No. It's not something you have to you have to feel guilty about. And also you don't have to feel guilty about leaving. No. Because there's no work here. If you want to work and live, you can't do it here. You know, I've, I've been asked a thousand times, why do I stay? And I've gotten older. That's one of the reasons. I have a grandchild. That's another reason. And yeah. honestly, I, I don't, I want to die here. I want to die here. This is my land. This is, uh, well, it's not my land, but the land owns me. <laughs> the land with which you dwell. That's right. And we are kin. So this is where I want to um, spend the last of my days. And I could have had a better career if I had moved on. I could have. But I've chosen to stay. And I certainly do not blame anyone who who has, you know, gone in search of a better career mm-hmm. path. or Right. Mm-hmm. That's You take it with you anyway. You do. Uh, but I am real clear in both teaching and speaking is that I don't want people to use the hillbilly word with me if you're not from this culture don't use that word because I know what you I know what you mean when you say that Mm -hmm. that hurts 
It does hurt. Mm-hmm. And you I'm not going to start this relationship with you looking down your damn nose at me. Nope. Mm-mm. I'm real proud of where I'm from. I, I realize that we have all kinds of problems, and I realize all the horrors that have happened down here, but they've happened in other places, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got red clay mud in my feet, and that's um, what I'm still, you know, proud of is that the land itself and the trees, well, they've never created an offense. No. You know? And that uh, that wonderful meme came through Facebook again this week about uh, the Appalachians. There ain't nothing to them. They're just little bitty mountains. Oh. And, and, and then you had geologists coming into this thread who were saying things like, well, it's because the Appalachian Mountains, they're old. And when there are caves that when we explore them in the Appalachians, they're not limestone caves because they formed before limestone was a thing. Wow. There are there are caves in Appalachia that don't have bones in them because these these mountains are older than bones wow. on the land. And when you think about it like that, and you think about the venerable quality of that, and if you have any kind of respect for elders, yes, then you have to know that the wisdom that is carried in these hills is profound. Yes, I agree. And I think you and I are just part of all that echo. And Absolutely. Lucky to be there as far as I'm concerned. So We're, we're the next batch. <laughs> and then there's the batch after that and the batch after that. We just got to teach them how to make biscuits, right, Byron? Oh, and cornbread <laughs> without sugar. Uh, how in the world can you eat cornbread with sugar in it? What's wrong with you? I've seen yeah. so many people throw out uh, cornmeal mix. Um, to the land oh. spirits, and I'm like, honey, what they have don't you? Want that. Oh, you got too much crap in there. <laughs> Go get this... you some stone ground cornmeal. <laughs> exactly, or or get you one of those querns mm-hmm. and put you, you know, a quarter cup of dried corn in it and mm-hmm. mash it, crush it up. Give yeah. them that; they'll appreciate it. I got or chicken, some, so or easy. some cheap candy. Yeah, you know, yeah. some cheap bright candy. Them, them little cousins will be like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> did you bring that for me?" Golly. You won't be able to tell the fireflies and the lightning bugs from the fae. No. <laughs> well, I love you, honey, and I thank you so you much too. for being on this tonight with me. This has been so much fun. Well, you say on I, the, Go ahead. I, I am going to be, be getting down there at some point. Oh, good. Before it gets too hot. Because oh, you and I are going to cackle together and have a good old time. We are dancing naked around the fire. <laughs> well, hold on the line. I want to talk to you uh, right before I hit the end of this All recording, right. okay? You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all, I hope you have enjoyed this. This is the Southern Fried Witch, and I will talk to you next week. Love y'all. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.